0: Welcome to the Mission Matters podcast, celebrating the people and initiatives that embodied the Jesuit tradition of St. Louis University. Celebrating what matters in the 200-year-old-plus mission that is St. Louis U. brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity. So welcome back. This is Virginia Herbers in the Office of Mission and Identity, and I am pleased to have with us today, Professor Mary Dunn, who is not only the director for the Center for Research on Global Catholicism, but also associate professor in the Department of Theological Studies. So welcome, Mary. It's good to have you with us. Thank you. It's good to be here. You have the stage. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about the center, how long it's been in existence, uh, where the idea came from. Just take it away.
1: Yeah. So I have been at SLU since 2008, which is a long time at this point. I am an early modernist by training, early modernist in the study of religion. So my area of specialty is a history of religions. I got a degree in religious studies and have Focused all of my research on the history of Catholicism in the early modern period, particularly in New France. So I want to say a little bit about my own research by way of connecting to the Center for Research on Global Catholicism and my role there. But my research has always had a global dimension to it, in particular, because my research focuses on that transatlantic diffusion of Catholicism from France to New France and the Jesuit missions in early modern French North America. So in this area, I published on women religious, possession, sickness, disability, motherhood. So lots of tangential issues that connect in various ways to the lived reality of Catholicism in early modern New France. So since 2020, the CRGC has been in its planning stages. And this year, fall 2022, we officially launched the center. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you a little bit about how it came to be So in 2020, my colleagues, Hal Parker in History and Kate Moran in American Studies reached out to me and also to Kathleen Fleck in Fine and Performing Arts and asked us if we wanted to be a part of this idea that they had. if they wanted to propose something to the Big Ideas Program through the Research Institute. And we said, we both said yes. And so the idea was to do something on global Catholicism. At the very beginning, Before Kathleen and I came on board, the CRGC, in its really infant stages, was going to be oriented more toward Jesuits and toward the Jesuit mission and Jesuit studies. But COVID interrupted that planning process and the project changed course in the interim, which I think was a really good idea. First of all, there are already centers that focus on Jesuit history and the Jesuit mission. For instance, at Boston College, there's an advanced institute for Jesuit studies. Secondly, we get a lot more slew faculty kind of falling under the broader umbrella of the Center for Research and Global Catholicism than we would have had we stuck with this more narrow Jesuit focus. So in 2020, the CRGC expanded its focus to be more about global Catholicism as opposed to Jesuit specific. Mm -hmm. And we were funded in 2021 as a big idea through the Research Institute, which is really exciting. Essentially, I think, Obviously, the most important thing that this means for us is that we have funding to do the kinds of things we want to do. But it also, I think for me, one of the best parts of being recognized as a big idea has just been this broad institutional support that's come with this administrative help, consulting help through the research institute, being connected to the other big ideas, like getting the dean to be on board with what we're doing. That, that, that's been like really amazing and having website support and all of this. So I feel like as a big idea, the infrastructure's there yeah. for us to want to do. So that, that, that's the beginning of it all.
0: Wow. So one of the interesting things is that uh, the COVID interruption actually changed your course of direction in a different, but apparently pretty positive way. So that's kind of yeah. fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it was fortuitous that right. the project stopped and got reoriented.
0: Okay, so what are some of the initiatives that have come out already? What's in the
1: works? Well, I'll, I'll zoom out. I'll begin by giving you like a big broad picture of what the CRGC is up to. And of course, it's a big idea. So what is our big idea? Like what okay. is the big idea behind the CRGC? The big idea is to make SLU a hub for scholarship on global Catholicism. So we really what we think that there is a, in business speak, market opportunity here. There's no other center that does what we are proposing to do, which is really focus on the nexus of Catholicism and culture. Um, So we see ourselves, I mean, I often think about it in terms of like the metaphor of a bicycle wheel. We see ourselves as having the potential to become this central hub with these spokes extending outward, both within the SLU community and kind of capturing different initiatives, different programs, different schools, different faculty members in the university, and bringing them together under this central rubric of global Catholicism. And we also see ourselves as the hub from which spokes emerge to connect SLU to other institutions around the country, but also around the world. So collaboration and conversation is a big part of what we're trying to do here. And, but the other thing that we really like to do and we think is kind of a natural outgrowth of becoming a hub for the center for the study of global Catholicism is that we have an opportunity here to shape the conversation about what even counts as global Catholicism. I mean, what do we mean when we talk about global Catholicism? What are the kinds of questions that the CRGC in particular is interested in answering or engaging with? Sure. So in a way, we see um, it's definitely Catholicism at the nexus of culture, which I think in in sort of exciting ways, in ways that just think are intellectually really interesting, resonates with the Jesuit mission and kind of carries this Jesuit mission forward in, in a really academic and critical context. So from the very beginning, the Jesuits were all about encounter and accommodation and acculturation. And the CRGC takes those ideas and brings them beyond the Jesuit context into a broader global context to really think about. What happens when Catholicism meets culture? What are the surprising reroutings? How do objects change not just meaning, but also use and context when they shift around the world? How does empire, how does colonialism impact the footprint of Catholicism as it's moved around the world? What are the ways in which thinking about global Catholicism changes our our ideas of what is at the center of Catholicism and what's at its peripheries. These are the kinds of things that we're really interested in pursuing. And so just really briefly to that end, we have, I just had a really fantastic first semester of programming. We're looking forward to a, a rich spring of programming that answers these kinds of questions and that really seeks to develop conversations around them. So we had a great annual lecture, first annual lecture in September, bringing in a professor, Corrine Velez, who has studied the movement of Catholicism from Italy through the New World, both in North America and Latin America. We had a book symposium, which was focused on this book called Church of the Dead, which analyzes this epidemic in the 16th century and how it reshaped Catholicism in Mexico. So these are the kinds of events we've put on and that will which our programming will continue to kind of center around that both give shape to the idea of what we mean when we say global Catholicism and also go some way toward answering the kinds of questions we think that study for global Catholicism should be engaging with. So much of this will happen next year as well, but we're also in the process of developing a postdoc program and a series of workshops that bring people together from SLU and beyond SLU in the St. Louis area to just, again, kind of work on common issues and to bring their research into conversation.
0: There's so, I have so many questions. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So um, I was fortunate enough to spend several years in Taiwan and got to be very close to Cardinal Shan over there who was the general secretary for the Asian synod of bishops. And I became captivated by Catholicism in Asia. So I guess one of my personal questions is when it comes to the conversation of global Catholicism with culture, yeah, who are some of your major player theologians that you're working out of?
1: That's a great question. I will say I'm not a theologian, despite being in the Department of Theological Studies. I'm a historian of religion, House a Historian, Kathleen's an art historian, and Kate would describe herself as a historian of American religion. So I think the people um, whose work we've been really excited by in this field have tended to be more historians of religion. Okay. Uh, So for instance, John McGreevy from Notre Dame will be coming to SLU in April to discuss his new book, Catholicism of Global History. Also, Jennifer Hughes, whose Church of the Dead was our featured book for the October Book Symposium. I mean, I think the kind of work they're doing that just tells the story what happens when catholicism moves has been really an important influence on the kinds of questions we're asking in the crgc
0: yeah
1: and i do i totally agree with the asian catholicism i've connected recently with Michel chambon who is french but working in singapore with this group that he's developed the Institute for the Study of Asian Catholicism, ISAC. And it's just this really robust group of scholars that is approaching Catholicism in Asia from all these different angles. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. And I think that that's really understanding. And one of the things actually that's been interesting for me, you know, we're American scholars and there's, in spite of our global orientation, I still have to self-reflect sometimes and think that there's a part of our orientation, or at least I'll speak for myself, part of my orientation to the study of global Catholicism that is so isolationist and kind of parochial. Mm-hmm. And when I get in touch with people like Michelle Chambon and others I've spoken with over the last few months about the CRGC, I'm constantly encouraged by these conversations to self-reflect a little bit more and think, of course, we don't exactly know what global Catholicism looks like when we're only thinking about American scholars in an American context. I mean, the kinds of questions people are asking through this ISAC consortium of scholars are really different from the kinds of questions we're asking. And I think that is going to be one of our challenges moving forward, right? Yeah. How much of what we do is going to be based on our own questions and our own interests, and how much is going to have an authentically global orientation? Right. And really take up some of these questions that Others are asking. I mean, that's the personal challenge, like decentering our own approach mm-hmm. to the academic study of Catholicism.
0: Yeah. Well, let me ask you a separate question here. So one of the things out of the mission office that comes across our radar often
1: yes. is
0: this, this false dichotomy of folks who say, I'm on board with SLU's Jesuit mission. I'm not so much on board with SLU's Catholic mission.
1: Huh.
0: Right? And so... Parsing out the fact that Jesuit is a subset of Catholic and Catholic is a lot bigger than what our experience is, is one of the common conversations that we happen to have. So talk a little bit about how you see the center engaging that.
1: Still stuck on. I'm on board with the Jesuit mission, but not the Catholic mission. I'm trying to figure out where that would be. Maybe it's that people feel like they can separate obviously, the Jesuits from their Catholicism and think about the Jesuits as just these highly trained learned men that run a fairly liberal-leaning institution. That Catholicism itself seems perhaps much more oppressive and dogmatic. Exactly. Yeah, that's really interesting. This is a great question. First, I I don't support that dichotomy between the Jesuits and the Catholics. Let me say that. Although I will say also one of the things that we want to be careful about in the CRGC is to maintain our intellectual focus. So stated in affirmative positive terms, we're interested in these intellectual academic questions about Catholicism and its global diffusion. We are not interested in promoting Catholicism worldwide. Maybe that's one way to put it. And I do think that that's legitimate ambition at a Jesuit university to do the latter. And there's a role for it and a place for it. And and as, I support the institution doing that kind of confessional work. It's not what the CRGC does, but I I don't see the CRGC as antagonistic to that in any way. And so maybe that's a roundabout way of saying, even though I find it funny that people will say that I do support the Jesuit mission, that I don't support the Catholic mission. I think there's an aspect of the CRGC that's certainly supportive of both missions, but that pursues the mission, which I think of, you know, again, loosely and in a zoomed out kind of way as being about encounter and acculturation and accommodation, like pursuing that line of thinking mm-hmm. uh, without having the mission-centered confessional agenda. Right. But I, I also think that at a Catholic Jesuit university, there is something that can be, you know we have a diversity of faculty, we have a diversity of students that come to us. And one of the challenges, I think, particularly I see this being in the Department of Theological Studies, is that we need to be able to talk about the Catholic Jesuit tradition in ways that make it available and accessible to all of these stakeholders at SLU. And so in that way, I do see the CRGC's academic intellectual ambition as working for multiple constituencies. You know, it, it can work to deepen the faith, a Catholic student or a Catholic faculty member who wants to understand more about her tradition, but it can also work on a level for, you know, an atheist student or a faculty member who's of a different religious tradition because of its academic historical intellectual orientation. So you know, this is the balance I'm always trying to strike as a teacher in the classroom, especially in our introductory Theo sixteen hundred God talk class. How can I talk about the Catholic Jesuit tradition in a way that reaches this class that has multiple audiences in it? Sure. You know, I don't want to alienate my Catholic students. I don't want to alienate my Hindu students. I don't want to alienate my atheist students. I think that the CRGC, at least our ambition, is to have it serve a similar role.
0: Right. That is so fascinating, number one, important, number two, and inspiring, number three. Good. I see the work of the center as being kind of a unitive factor as well as a research factor because- What you're describing there, you know, for example, when I was living in Taiwan to learn more about the Buddhist traditions, the Taoist traditions, I never felt threatened by that. I never felt as if I was being converted. I took it as an academic understanding. It helps me understand culture. It helps me understand the people. It helps me understand a lot of things. And so that was never an offensive reality to me. And I hope that's translatable to how we present either Jesuit mission, Catholic mission, what have you, to our students who don't espouse either of
1: those. I mean, 100%. And I I don't know if this was your experience in Taiwan, but I I teach this new core course, Theo 1600, God Talk. And one of the things we do in there, it's a spiritual autobiography class, but we don't just focus on Catholic texts. We obviously don't just focus on Jesuit texts. One of the texts we read is Peter Matisse and Snow Leopard, which comes from a Zen Buddhist perspective, mm-hmm. but it's just so cool to see my students, Catholic and non-Catholic alike, process this text and bring it into conversation with, like things from Augustine's Confessions, you know, Genesis, because it can be done and that's that's the idea, right? Oh, yeah. these different sources can be an enriching for whatever tradition or spiritual background you come from. Absolutely. In you know? the whole non-threatening aspect, that's right, Virginia, like that's what's so important to maintain. You want to keep people intellectually open. And you're right. I mean, that is, in my opinion,
0: mm-hmm. one of the single most compelling elements of Ignatius's vision is that whole notion of enculturation. And it yes. has, it has for hundreds of years gotten the Jesuits in a lot of trouble. And it has also moved forward the Catholic mission of the church at large. So it's really, inter- and while serving, basically doing what the Christian message is serving people and and showing up for people in ways that build community, in ways that that bring us out of conflict into unity.
1: Absolutely. And it's less, I think this is like a real theme. Actually, I want to connect what you said to what I think is a real theme of the CRGC. It's not so much about, if we think about the Jesuits, I totally agree that their method of enculturation is one of the coolest things about the Jesuits, but it's not so much like, They were coming from Europe and imposing their stuff on everybody else. At the same time, one of the things I find in my research in New France is that the experience of indigenous people and, you know, the geography and the lived experience of life in North America influenced them back and shifted what they thought they knew, which is. One of the things I that we really this is, or at least for me, this is one of the most interesting lines of inquiry we could pursue at the CRGC, which is when Catholicism moves around the world, what becomes center and what becomes periphery? You know, what what is like the what is the originating space of influence and what is the receiver of influence? Oftentimes it is the so-called periphery. For instance, the church in Mexico, as Jennifer Shepard Hughes's book argues, that turns around and influences the Christianity that then returns, in her instance, to Spain. I mean, that is cool. And that's what I mean when I say these surprising reroutings and unpredictable.
0: That is just so exciting.
1: It's so much fun to think about. And I think, you know, I really love the idea of just continuing to build this conversation. Thinkers and scholars that come to SLU and you know, have these kinds of, have done this kind of research and can share that with us and we can talk about it.
0: And... Oh, that's the best. Um, what else needs to be said before we kind of wrap this up?
1: Yeah. One of the things I think that would be good to say is I, I haven't talked at all about what we would like to do with the local archives. I mean, this is sort of an exciting new initiative. Just thinking forward to next year, a big project on the horizon is one that involves the digital humanities. So next semester, we're going to start having conversations. We would like to, we have funding to do a digital humanities initiative that can help local archivists, particularly of women's religious communities, preserve and disseminate their archival holdings. So what's really important to us is to get together with archivists and ask them what they want and what they need, instead of imposing upon them our own ideas of what they need and should have. But there are just a number of archival holdings, Sisters of the Sacred Heart, um, Sisters of St. Joseph of Carondelet, and others in the area that are underutilized. People don't know about them. Students don't know about them. Scholars don't know about them. They're not readily accessible. And one of the beauties of the CRGC and its big ideas funding is that we can make these archival holdings more permanent and we can make them more accessible. We can create links between SLU and these local religious communities, and we can connect these local religious communities to the scholars and students that might want to study them. So I think that's really like a win-win-win for everybody. So I'm really excited about that come spring and in the future.
0: So exciting stuff. What you're doing is just so much fun.
1: Well, thank you for asking about it. I love the opportunity to share about it because it's cool. Um, It's a lot of work you know, I really wanted to succeed. And I feel like the university really wants it to succeed. Our executive committee really wants it to succeed. So we're just going to keep on pushing.
0: And whatever we can do from the mission office to be of help to that, please don't hesitate. Yeah. We are here and very, very excited about this.
1: Awesome. Well, yeah, I think it's a really complimentary with the mission. That's-
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Virginia. So nice to connect. And for all of you listening, don't forget to follow us on social media at Slough Jesuit Mission on both Facebook and Instagram. And if you know of a colleague who's living the mission out loud, but seems to be hidden in plain sight, give us a heads up so we can highlight the good work being done here in our community. Thank you for joining us. And until next time in this year of hope, let's continue to celebrate together the gift of walking with youth in the creation of a hope-filled future, because mission matters. You can engage the mission intentionally here at SLU, and you can encounter it randomly. But good luck graduating without ever touching it in some way. God bless everyone.